Welcome to this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Lots of fun things we're going to talk about. The fact that we have a WASI report next week. We've got some interesting looks at corn. We'll kind of get Bloomberg's thoughts about what's been going on. Also, where we're sitting on ending stocks, cash cattle is it a repeat of last week, and what's going on with these feeders. Not to mention the fact that over this last week, a lot of folks have had questions about uh, these USDA numbers and are we going to see any changes or revisions coming up in any future reports? Stick around. We've got a lot more to discuss on this week's numbers. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B, to point Z, all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. So welcome back once again. As you can see, joining me today, Alan Brugler. He is with Brugler Marketing and Management and Kyle Bumstead with Allendale. And, and gentlemen, I think we need to start off with uh, the little elephant in the room, that there are some parts of the state, some parts of the upper Midwest that are getting some much needed rain, which is is good news for that. Having said that, kind of want to get your guys' spin on this weather from a perspective. Kyle, I guess the computer picked you to go first. How much is this market going to pay attention to now that the fact that we got the much needed rain? Well, I think we've kind of been paying attention to it recently. If you look here, when we started breaking on this corn market, that's kind of when the rain was forecast and then it did start falling. Now, I know out in that eastern corn belt, there's still some pretty ugly pockets out there. But being a western corn belt producer myself, I know that corn can hang on a long time before it's really damaged. So uh, we always have pockets of, of bad areas every year. It doesn't matter. We, 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 we have those every year. And for the most part, the western corn belt here, we've gotten the rains. We've gotten ample moisture here to keep us carried through. I'm not saying subsoil moisture isn't depleted and there isn't an issue underneath us as per the drought monitor and things like that. But We've uh, we've gotten some decent rains here enough to keep us going for the time being, and I think it's going to carry us a long way, especially with this temp, these temps cooling off here like they have here uh, recently. And I'm sure the pastures are absorbing it as fast as it comes through the sky. Yes, yes, they are. That's uh, that's a very valid point. Yes, we needed it for the grass. If if nothing else, we needed it for pasture and regrowth here, and and try to build some of that subsoil moisture here for not only to finish out this year, but uh, for some subsoil on next year's grass. So, Alan, what about for you? What are you hearing market reaction-wise to the fact that we are getting some rains, but then again, there's some areas um, that are totally missing out? <clears throat> well, my, my number one rule of thumb here is you can't have a drought if it keeps raining. So even if you're not getting the, the quantities that you expect, it's, it's still uh, providing some moisture to the crops. Uh, you know, we have to remember that trend line yields are, are not ever optimal okay the, the crop always gets nicks and cuts as you go through the year you you get dry pockets you get less than ideal planting conditions you get the the, the derecho that just went through illinois you know things do uh, <clears throat> detract from yield so you have to remember first of all that if everything actually went right in the country we'd have a 189 corn yield this year that's what our model says it never does and uh you know right now we're deducting from optimal, not from trend. So uh, the trade average guess, according to the Bloomberg survey, is is 176.3 bushels per acre for next week's uh, WASDE report. So the trade is knocking down the yield based on these nicks and cuts that we've had. And uh, I, I think that's pretty reasonable uh, based on what we know today. We know in 2012, USDA cut it 
uh, quite a bit in the in the July report. But uh, you also noticed that last week's crop condition ratings did actually bump above 2012. So uh, they probably aren't going to go as far as they did then. Do you have any or perceive any possible surprises in these reports coming out next week? Well, I, I think the, the 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 big surprise would be if they go a lot further with the yield cut than what the trade's looking for. You know, if they really did whack at 10 or 12 bushels per acre on some kind of, uh, you know, weather adjusted trend yield calculation, uh, we're not set up for that. We're not looking for that big of a drop. We're still, we're still uh, uh, hung over, if you will, from the extra 2 million and 3 million acres that we found there in the, in the crop report on June 30th. So that, that would be leaning the wrong way if they cut the yield that far and, and actually cut the production that far. Uh, again, not saying that's going to happen, but that's that's what will really uh, catch us off balance. You know, I know, Kyle, you and I've had this discussion as well many times when it comes to these USDA numbers and the and the questioning of where it is. And I'll tell you this week, I have gotten an earful during our county fair from producers saying, where is this number going to come from? How are they going to either revise it or is there really that much corn and beans out there? Well, when you look at it, when we look at uh, like our spreads, like we look at a spread between December 23 corn and no 23 beans. And we look at that spread. If we remember back to about September of last year, it uh, that spread favored planting corn. Now, it was under a 2.4 ratio. Now, historically, anything over a 2.4 favors soybean acres or buying soybean acres. Well, in this case, it was under that 2.4. Thus, we had more corn acres. And then if we look back anecdotally here, a lot of producers a year ago, as we sat here, July, you know, first week of July, I have to get my fertilizer bought because we're, we're, you know, we don't know if we're going to have it. It's, it was the inflation mm -hmm. play. It was a squeeze on everything. We don't know if we're going to get the product. So there was a lot of fertilizer that was bought last summer and applied last fall for corn because crop insurance still favors planting corn here, at least in the northern and the western corn belt. So I could probably say, yes, there's probably a few more corn acres out there because the market was already showing us that a, a year ago as we sat here uh, at the end of summer. And they come out here this summer and, and finally showed it, said, oh, yeah, well, there's 94 million acres. Now, whether there is or not, we won't know until January. So, Alan, how do you, how do you prepare for that marketing-wise, um, knowing that we could see some revisions and, and what we might see in final numbers? Well, again, I don't think USDA will do anything to the acreage uh, on next week. They're, they're going right. to go with what they just published for June 30th. But uh, I, I think you you uh, if you've got big hedge gains made, you might want to be a little more defensive going into the report just in case they surprise on the on the yield side. Uh, obviously, the the other part of that is is demand and exports export demand still poor. Ethanol has picked up somewhat here. We've had a nice run of, of uh, better uh, month, weekly runs on the ethanol production and thus corn use. But, um, you know, our, our solution is we had a bunch of 590 uh, D's puts. We rolled them down to closer to that, the money strike prices to take to protect those hedge gains we've already got. But we're maintaining some downside coverage here. Um, you know, a little different situation on the bean side because of the of the. Uh, market going the other way after the report. So Kyle, are we going to see this cash cattle market kind of be a repeat of what we've seen in last week's numbers? 
Well, there's that potential. Now, uh, late today here, we did uh, start trading cash cattle here just a little bit higher, and the board took that run with it. But the board did get back up here to some resistance areas, especially this August contract. That 178 is a big resistance area we need to get through and close above. But with that contract going to be, uh, we've got the Goldman Roll coming up here next week. Uh, I would look for there to be some roll pressure potentially happening here, but the spreads do look good. It does look like there's some commercial buying out there in those far deferreds at October versus Dece. That gained about 35 cents today, and the Dece versus Feb gained about 25 cents today. Now, you say, look at all these gains. That's great, but it was Friday, and it was a very low-volume session. Now, feeder cattle, they went up there and got close to those uh, all-time highs that they made. Didn't get up there and take them out yet, but we did, did work on starting to fill a gap here that we left here a couple days ago. And uh, when you look at it, the volume was about uh, 65 to 70% of what it was yesterday. So not a lot of volume. I think we dried a lot of sell orders up here, and that's what floated us higher. But when you look at what's happening here in the cash feeder cattle market here, uh, I look for uh, starting out the week on Monday, there would be some big gains in that feeder cattle index because looking at the Texas direct numbers, the numbers of cattle going into the index have been lower this week, and that's what's going to push that higher. Now, what else we have going on here starting out next week is we have some big, big feeder cattle sales coming up here in the Northern Plains, especially here in Nebraska. And then we've also got some big video sales out there, and there's been some big demand out here. But, you know, there's there's a lot of, a lot of folks that are uh, kind of scratching their heads here saying, you know, $5 corn and $2.50, $2.60 feeders. I might just sit and watch this for a little bit. So there is getting to be a little bit of producer concern out there as far as the dollars needed to shell out. I mean, you know, you start figuring that kind of money with interest on top of that, feed costs on top of that. I know corn has come down some, but a lot of the other uh, inputs and as far as the feed, uh, feed costs haven't come down near as much as corn has. So we still have to adjust that moving forward. So, Alan, do we see the, the because just like kind of what Kyle was just talking about, penciling out all of this, especially when you look at, you know, beans and the cost of, of raising hogs, uh, corn, and the cost of raising cattle, is there going to be kind of a lull and maybe not filling up as like we'd like to see? Well, you know, feeders have been trying to price price that, that corn move. Uh, you saw a big react when corn dropped hard, you saw a big bump in the feeders and they probably overran it a little bit. Uh, you know, we know the long-term story in cattle, which is that, that, that we're still shrinking numbers, and they'll shrink even further if we start being a little more aggressive about holding back heifers uh, and make them into mama cows. That goes back to the grass situation we talked about at the beginning of the show. But uh, technically, I'm looking at the charts, and, and they're they're looking sort of double topish here. Uh, they're they're overbought, and we may have run a, a run a little too aggressively there. Uh, expect to see a little bit of a pullback their profit taking and it may be tied to that that cash market uh, wondering whether you can break even uh, on the hog side of things we're looking a little better than we had been the the, the hog prices have come up a little bit in the in the uh, input cost both meal and corn have come down so uh, that market is still stressed by the prop 12 situation but it's better than it was definitely what's your one go-to to watch come monday's trade on Monday, we want to see if the market uh, sees any weather uh, developments that in the two-week out forecast that it wants to play with. Uh, I also want to see what kind of uh, pollination uh, increase we see for next, this week into next week. Uh, that drives how much water you think you need to have. All right. And for, for you, Kyle, what's your one watch for next week? 
I think for the grain side of things, it's going to be a continue watching the uh, forward curve in the December corn, December on out to July, how much carrier they're building into this, what are the commercials really thinking here as far as acreage and production. And same thing as far as the Nova to Jan bean spread and Nova on out to July, as far as are we going to have a big bean crop, that's where we really need to start kind of focusing on these spreads here because the commercials are going to be hedging their bets through those spreads out there. All right, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Want to remind our viewers, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.